everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we are continuing on in our series at the beach with the perfect weather to boot. So we are continuing on. We've been talking about different passages, different scriptures in which Jesus teaches at the beach. I need to work on my my blocking right here. There we go. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about buried treasure. Ooh. So in the beginning, we were talking about what does Jesus have in common with pirates? What a silly thing. Well, they both like buried treasure. Oh, so we've been enjoying this series. We wish we had a little bit more beach weather for it. I don't know about you guys. I'm like, it's almost, it's going to be September before we know it. We're going to be going back to school. It seems kind of crazy. I don't know. The concept of time is like just wild right now. But you know what? I was thinking this morning as I got up, as I was getting ready to, you know, just run over final last minute prep and everything. And I thought, man, I am so grateful to be able to gather with all of you that we can get together, that we can do church. We've had a long year and a half or so, haven't we? Man, there's been a lot going on. So I'm very grateful for that. But even though we don't have the perfect weather for At The Beach, we're, we're continuing on. And I wanted to talk with you guys about buried treasure. So have you ever been to the beach and seen somebody with one of those me- like metal finder things where they're they're sweeping around the beach. They're looking for, for things buried. Do you think they ever find anything cool? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It seems kind of wild. One of my buddies was telling me about it. He's doing this new thing called magnet fishing. Have you guys ever heard of magnet fishing? So they get a really powerful magnet on the end of a rope, and they throw it into the water, and they try to pull stuff out. So my buddy was telling me, he's like, I pulled out a scooter out of the water and stuff. I'm like, awesome, scooter, great. I'm sure that thing's going to work, work really well. Um, no, but, you know, we, we always have this fascination with buried treasure, with the idea that somewhere out there, there could be this mass treasure trove of goodies, right? Um, I'm, have you guys ever seen the movie The Goonies? The Goonies? Anybody? You guys are like, no, Goonies. Nobody's seen The Goonies. Uh, no, hey, you guys. Um, no, anyway, sorry, I'll stop. But the Goonies, I love the story of the Goonies where it's, it's everyday people, right? You've got this group of boys, just everyday kind of normal teens that stumble across this treasure map. And all they have to do, they have to follow the steps. And at the end, there's going to be this great big treasure, right? We're fascinated with this idea all the way back to uh, Treasure Island. There's this idea that somewhere out there, uh, we might stumble across something really amazing. And now, uh, it's, it's maybe we don't find that same thing. So those guys that are going across with the magnets, doing the magnet fishing, searching the beach, maybe they're not going to find great treasure. Uh, but we, we have here in Scripture, we've got a couple of different instances that talk about buried treasure. And so I wanted to, to open that up with you guys. But first off, I wanted to get a little bit of stuff out of the way first. So one thing you're going to learn about me, I know I'm kind of the new guy on staff here, uh, but I like to teach from God's Word as if I assume that you don't know everything, right? I know sometimes at church we can get into a habit where we start to just skip through things and assume that we know things, right? Uh, so who would you say, how many of you guys know what a parable is? Is there anybody that doesn't know what a parable is? Okay. 
All right, so one of the ways that Jesus loves to teach, so we're going to be hearing words right out of Jesus' mouth this morning, um, and one of the ways that Jesus preferred to teach, now we're talking about Jesus, who was people that had never even met him before, heard him talk one time, and they were like, teacher, prophet, like they, they recognized the authority that Jesus had on when he taught. But what, one thing that's interesting, even though Jesus knew a ton of the law. I mean, he was very well-versed in the scriptures. Even as a child, there's a story where he runs away from his mom and dad, right? You guys remember that? And they find him at the temple studying. So he was very well-versed in the scriptures. But it's interesting, Jesus' preferred teaching method was a thing called a parable. Now, a parable, it's pretty simple. It's just a short story that's used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson, right? It's just a, something that should be easy, easily identifiable for your average person, right? So a lot of the imagery, he uses water, and he uses the beach. He uses things that everybody more or less is going to be familiar with. And so early on, so we're going to be looking at Matthew 13 today. Early on in the series, we actually went through Matthew 13. Matthew 13, Jesus is teaching in parables, and uh, early on in the chapter, uh, or not early on, but in, in this chapter, he says in verse 34, so this is Matthew 13, verse 34, he says, all these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in, what? Parables. And he did not speak anything to them without a parable. Nothing. This entire crowd, he spoke to them in only parables. This was so that what was spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled I will open my mouth in parables. I will proclaim things hidden since the foundation of the world. So this is a quote. Jesus is, is mentioning another passage here, the writer of Matthew, rather, sorry, is mentioning a passage from Psalm 78. And what he's saying here, this is not only a fulfillment of prophecy. So if you, the more you get comfortable with the Bible, you realize there's all these things in there. I like to call them hyperlinks. You guys know what a hyperlink is? Like on your computer, it's like a link that you click, takes you somewhere else. There's a lot of hyperlinks in the Bible that connect to other places in the Bible, right? So Jesus here, he is choosing to teach in parables. And it's funny, it actually says the reason why he's doing that is to hide things and to reveal things. So earlier on in the series, Pastor Chris, he was talking about the parable of the sower. Do you guys remember that? So it comes out and you spread the seed, and based on the soil, there's a lot of different things that can happen with the seed. It can plant and it can grow. It can get carried away by birds. There's a lot of different things that can happen. This is an example of a parable. And so what we're seeing here is that Jesus has very intentionally said, for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, you will understand what's going on in the parable. And for, peop for certain people, Jesus wanted to hide things. So, you guys see the buried treasure? The buried treasure in there? He's hiding things? Okay. So, there's actually two parables that I want to talk with you about this morning. And they're both kind of matching parables. And they're in Matthew 13. Why don't we just run through those really quick and we'll circle back around. So it's called the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the costly pearl or the pearl of great price. 
So this is verse 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over, he goes and sells everything that he has, and he buys the field. Now, the, the matching parable to that continues on. It says again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold everything that he had, and he bought it. So you guys see how these both are connected, right? So there's buried treasure that's found, right? And one thing that's easy to, to miss when we're studying the Bible, I'm a huge Bible nerd, so you will find this out about me. But one of the things when we're studying the Bible is... Uh, about the, the context and the words that are being used. So you see that second parable, it says again, again, the kingdom of heaven. Those are connecting these two parables together. And they're talking about both people finding buried treasure, right? But you notice in the first parable, it says, which a man found and hid again. So he, think about a guy with that, that magnet, or the, not the magnet, the, uh, the metal detector, right? Think about a guy with a metal detector on the beach, and he's searching for the treasure, and then there's somebody who stumbles across it. So the first guy, he kind of stumbles across this treasure without looking for it, and he finds it, and he hides it again, and he goes and sells everything for it. The second person is like a merchant who is actively seeking out they're looking for treasure, and he finds it. Now, a lot of our church fathers, so the beautiful thing, just a side note for all of us, because I can't help it. I love the Bible so much. Uh, the Bible, think about this. Some of our church uh, fathers, right? You've got these uh, men and women who have studied the scriptures that have come before us, put in all this time, done these commentaries, right? Uh, back in the day, in like the Middle Ages and stuff, there would be one Bible in a town, and they would chain the Bible to the pulpit in the church. And so if you wanted to read the Bible, you had to go to the church, stand at the pulpit, and flip through, right? Think about that. The Bible wasn't even available in everyday language for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So think about this. We're at a point in history now where just on my little iPad here, I've got more study materials than John Calvin. <laughs> I've got more study materials than so many of these great thinkers. We, at, at where we're at now, we are so blessed to be able to have access to the Bible. Uh, so my dad, uh, my dad, he's in his 60s, right? He got a seminary degree like in the 70s or 80s. And he was telling me, he's like, we used to have this thing called a concordance. Do you guys know what a concordance is? And so they would have a Greek and Hebrew concordance, and basically what you'd have to do is if you wanted to look up a word, you get this big, humongous book, and you flip it open, and then you'd have to cross-reference and flip over to the page that you want. And my mind is blown as I'm talking to him. I'm like, you mean that's like a search bar? <laughs> that's the search bar in my Bible app that's free. Um, so... I just want to really impart with you guys how blessed we are for all the study materials that we have, right? Um, but these parables here, there's two different two differences here. One of them is that 
they are, one person is looking for the treasure, the other person is not looking for the treasure, but they find it, and what do they do? They sell everything that they have. They realize the investment. Oh my goodness, if I can own this, if I can have this treasure for myself, imagine the things that I could do. They realized the, how precious the treasure was that they had found. And now what I want to share with you this morning, if you get nothing else, God is our treasure. God has hidden his treasure, his words, right here in front of us. Now, our role as believers, as Christians, one thing that I want to encourage you to do continually is we need to be sharing the good news of Christ. The message of Jesus' sacrifice that Jesus would give everything for us is so wonderful and so amazing that we have a responsibility to share it. We have a responsibility to share it. And so this treasure is so valuable that we want to give up everything to follow Jesus. Do you remember what happened when the first disciples, when Jesus called the first disciples to him? Do you remember what he said? He said, come and follow me. Come and follow me. So they got rid of everything, right? Now, the longer that you have a relationship with Jesus, so this is for all the saints that have been around for a while. How many of you guys have been saved? I'm just curious. How many of you guys have been saved for longer than 10 years? Okay. How many of you guys have been saved for longer than 15 years? 15? 20? 25? 30? 40? Oh, man. 50? Wow. Wow. Let's give a hand. Come on. 50 years. Probably more. Jim's looking at me. He's like, I could keep going. Like, you've got no. Um, the longer that you walk with Jesus, and anybody, anybody who had their hand raised in here can attest to this. Find one of them and ask them. The longer that you spend time with Jesus, the more you realize how valuable Jesus' influence in your life is. The more you understand that sacrifice of how somebody would give up everything to follow Jesus. When you go through hard times, when you go through storms, you realize Jesus is faithful. Jesus will lead me through this. I don't have to be scared. I don't have to have anxiety. I don't have to have shame about the things that I've done, right? This is part of the foundational principle of, of the gospel. It's radical that Jesus, no matter what you've done in your life, whatever heinous things that you've done, however bad you think those are, they're covered by Jesus' sacrifice. That's what we teach, right? Amen? Amen? If we trust in Jesus, if we confess with our mouth and trust in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we will have salvation and everlasting life. That means you live forever. I still can't wrap my mind around that. Living forever. That is a valuable treasure. That is something that we can take to the bank. <laughs> Amen? Speaking of the bank, uh, we're talking about... so. It's important to keep in mind the context here, right? So this is the first century A.D. First century A.D. And it's not like they can just go to the bank, right? They're not just going to be able to get their, their talents and their denarii and whatever, the different forms of money. They're not just going to be able to go to the bank and make a deposit, right? There's no debit cards, <laughs> right? 
Um, so what they would do is they would actually dig down in the ground and they would bury treasure. That was a common way of hiding your inheritance, your family's wealth. And the only way that you could get there is either you have a treasure map or something like that, or you know by word of mouth where it's at. And you see what would happen is sometimes people would store up an inheritance and then they would pass away without sharing that information with their family. And then there would be these lost inheritances that are just buried out there. So that's where part of our fascination with buried treasure and this wealth comes from, is that this was extremely commonplace. And what's, what's interesting here that's different, right? Um, how many of you guys are into investing? Is anybody into investing? 401k? That's like my reference level. <laughs> like stocks, stonks, and stuff in the market or whatever. Um, <laughs> this is a good investment here. They're realizing, so the first man says he went over, he found, stumbled upon a treasure, he found it, and for joy, he goes and sells everything that he has to buy that field. So he goes out, drops everything, buys the field so that he can have that treasure. Now, what I want to share with you guys so there's two interpretations of this. So believe it or not, how many of you guys are with me? Like I said, I don't assume anything. There are multiple ways to interpret God's word, right? So there's different ways that we can look at it. Um, and so throughout our church fathers and things, there's two main interpretations for these parables. The first one is what I've been talking about, that the treasure represents our salvation, the, the, the saving work of Christ that we stumble across, whether you stumble across it, whether you randomly went to church one Sunday and you heard the gospel for the first time, or you know somebody that shared the gospel with you, the gospel is brought to you. You stumble upon it. And the second one is uh, that this treasure represents Christ giving it all for us, and we are the treasure. Are you following me? That Jesus realized how valuable all of humanity was. Every voice, every family, every man, woman, child, brother, sister, realized how valuable you are and decided to give up everything to purchase you back. Amen? So those are our two interpretations here, and I like them both. I think it's a yes and. I don't know about you. Um, but one of the things that we do know, if you are new to a relationship with Jesus or you're new to the whole church thing, the way that we learn about who God is, is through God's word. We need to be grounded in the Bible. The moment that we start drifting away from the word of God is when there's a lot of trouble that happens. And we've seen that historically how many people in ministries have fallen because they drift too far away from the Word of God, right? So we need to be grounded in God's Word. But part of the fun, and I think this is fun, I think this is fun, that God has hidden these nuggets of gold in the Scripture that to those who are diligent and those who are willing to dive into relationship deeper with God— there's these nuggets of gold that are available for you. And now, 
We have to dig down, though. We must dig down in God's word. There's a responsibility on us. So the treasure has been found. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, praise God, all of heaven is rejoicing. But now the onus is on you. What are you going to do with what you've been given? You guys remember the parable of the talents? Have you heard that one before? So three servants are given a different amount of gold. And the master comes back and he sees what they've done with it and how they've either wasted what he's given them or multiplied it and he blesses them. So there is a responsibility that we have as believers now that we've heard the message. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do? Are you going to hoard it onto yourself? Are you going to use it and apply it to your own life but not share it with anybody around you? There is a responsibility for us to be sharing the gospel with those around us, to be applying it and digging deeper. Um, so I'm a Bible guy. I went to Bible college, Bible school, and everybody I've talked to, every professor, every believer, everybody who had their hand raised earlier that's been around for a while, the Bible is so deep and just keeps going. It's like the more that you dive into it, the crazier it gets. <laughs> you can enjoy it on a surface level, but when you start to dive in and you realize some of those things, like those hyperlinks I was talking about, where certain passages link to other passages, and you see what, it, they call it uh, prophetic, right? When, when somebody had predicted something, even in this passage where from Psalm 76, it was predicted thousands of years beforehand. It's mind-blowing. The deeper that you dig into Scripture, the more that you get out of it. And it's funny, my testimony is, the more that I read the Bible, things just kind of, negative things just melted off of my life. I, I, that's the only way that I can think about it. When I first came to the Lord, I was smoking like a pack a day of cigarettes for years, for like six, seven years, pack a, pack a day, and all of a sudden, I started reading God's Word, and I started to dig in, and it was like my desire to smoke cigarettes just melted off me. It's hard to explain. It's miraculous. You know, I, I didn't curse as much, you know? It's, it's like all these changes started happening in my life. When I started digging down into the gold that God had buried in His Word, my life started to change. And you know, some people have these miraculous like come to Jesus moments, like like uh, Saul on the road to Emmaus, right, where just their life's radically changed overnight. That was not my testimony. My testimony was a little bit by little bit. And then all of a sudden, I'd be talking to my, my parents, and they'd be like, what's, what's different about you? What do you, you know, you're like, you sound different. You seem lighter, you know? <laughs> Have you been going to therapy <laughs> or something? It's like, no, I've been reading my Bible. Um, and that can be your testimony too. The more that we dig in, God will lead you through his word. I like to say, uh, I can read the same chapter in the Bible a hundred times. And it can be on that a hundredth time that you read it. Something will just leap off the page at you. It'll be something that is going on in your life that just directly applies that you need to hear. That's God's spirit at work. But we have to be diligent to dive in and to dig into God's word. And if you do, you will not be disappointed. 
That is a promise. So we have the responsibility to dig down, but there's also something else. We must let go of everything else. You have to let go of everything else. When they found the treasure, right, in these two parables, what did they do? They sold everything that they had so that they could have that treasure. Now, here's what I'm not saying. (laughs) Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you should stop at the bank on the way home and put your house up for sale, (laughs) or that you should sell the clothes off your back and walk around with one outfit. That's not what I'm saying. It is all about the heart posture of the person. I love to get in these theological debates with people about what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. People like to come up with rules, and they're like, well, Christians shouldn't do this, that, or the other thing, and blah, blah, blah. But what it comes down to is the heart posture inside. It is not about a a list of rules of do's and don'ts. It is about our relationship with the God who created you. That's what God is after. So when we're talking about leaving everything behind, what we're talking about is our priorities, that we are putting God first, that we are putting our relationship with Christ first and everything else in line with that. And if we put God first in our life, then you'll notice the order in the rest of your life will click into place. When I first came into ministry, for example, man, and you could probably sense it a little bit, I was zealous. I was like on fire. I had energy. I was like, we need to preach everywhere. There's people that don't know the gospel. Like, let's go outside. What are we doing? I was very zealous for the Lord when I first got saved. And when I went into ministry, I realized, man, with ministry, it can be really easy to get out of balance in your priorities with your family. Anybody that's been in ministry before knows it's difficult to be able to put your, take your care of your family and still look after the church family as well. So I had a hard time at first with my priorities in terms of saying no to things. You know, I'd be like, I want to go to a young adult thing, and I want to go over here, and I want to preach, and I want to go to the nursing home and do service there and all these things. And I began to realize through my relationship with God, yes, I was putting God first, but God started to show me the priorities in other areas of my life were out of balance. He showed that to me, and then I was able to adjust and start to care for my family and take care of my family. So what we're talking about here is when we're letting go of everything else, It's putting God at the utmost place of authority and influence in your life. And so you guys know, um, have you heard of the term being the head of the household, right? When When you file your taxes and you hear the head of the household. The Greek word for head, when we talk about men being the head of the family, when we talk about Christ being the head of the church, really what it means, it doesn't mean dominion or authority over to exercise power and that kind of thing. What it means is it's the source. Being the head means the source of life for the family. So Christ being the head of your life means that the source of all life flows from Christ. And in a healthy household, the source of life flows from the husband to the rest of the family. So we're supposed to serve by being servants, right? Um, So if we have, if we're willing to put in the effort to dig down deep and we're willing to let go of anything that would get in the way of our priorities, uh, 
Really, the only thing left is that we must recognize the value of our relationship with God. Now, the beautiful thing about this, um, so I'm studying for this, this sermon, right? And I'm looking at this parable. A lot of people know it as the parable of uh, the pearl of great price, pearl of great price, um, or costly pearl. To me, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, pearls aren't that valuable. You know, in my head, I'm like, well, you know, you can go and get a pearl necklace, and it's not like solid gold or anything. You know, I'm like, it's, it's nice. It's nice looking. Um, so apparently the price of pearls has gone way down. <laughs> Let me put it that way, since the first century. Um, but what they realized in both of these parables, they immediately recognized the value of the treasure. So much so that they were willing to make a calculated risk in assessing, if I buy this property with the treasure on it, the treasure will be mine, I can go sell that, make all my money back and more. It was a calculated decision. It's a risk, but they recognized the value. They recognized the return on investment. If I give my life to Christ and I live with Christ being the head of my life, there is a return on investment there and more. So that's why it's interesting. We compare, have you ever heard somebody's testimony before Christ and after Christ? You guys ever heard a testimony? Anybody never heard a testimony in your life? No? (laughs) I'm like, testimonies? Nobody? Um, We should all have a testimony ready to go. Everybody that knows Jesus, you should have your elevator pitch, you know, a three to five minute thing on your life before Christ and after Christ. Because everybody that comes into relationship with God, your life gets so radically changed for the better. That's why... The Bible is the best-selling book of all time. <laughs> bestseller, number one bestseller. That's why the church, despite amazing oppression, the gospel of Jesus Christ is persecuted around the world. There are people that are dying for the gospel today for, for Christ, right? But it's worth it. It's worth it to give your life to follow Christ because you realize how good God truly is, how perfect God truly is, how amazing it is to walk with the one who has made you. We have to recognize this value. And I think we are a little bit guilty in the Western church, in the American church, of not fully recognizing and acknowledging just how valuable the word is in our lives. I'm sorry to beat you guys up. (laughs) I feel like this is the second time in a row being rough on you, but it's from love. I want to see our church activated. I want to see our church alive and vibrant and going out in the world, propelled by God's love to not just sit on the couch. The role of the ecclesia which is the Greek word for the church, the role of the ecclesia is not to just dig in our heels and wait for Jesus to come back. That is not the right response to the gospel. We are waiting with anticipation for Christ to come back. But we've got a job to do, church. We have a mission. We need to be sent out 
Have you ever noticed, and I don't know where you guys are at with this. Let's just have a conversation about it for a second. Have you ever seen people that come back from mission trips and they're like, crazy, amazing, wild things are happening over there, right? They're like, I went on this mission trip and people are getting healed and crazy stuff is happening and amazing work is being done and we're building up orphanages and we're, it's like the church is being the church out there. Why? You know, I had one of my, one of my teenagers come to me a couple of years ago and he said, Pastor John, it seems like there's all this wild work that's going on in the kingdom of heaven, like in other countries and stuff. Why, do, why doesn't the American church, why, are, why does it seem like that same thing doesn't happen here quite the same way? And I felt like the Lord gave me the words to speak in that moment. And it was that we are called to go. When we go, you are given power from the Holy Spirit to go. When you step outside of your comfort zone, wherever that is, if that's just saying, I'm going to share the gospel with my neighbor who's struggling. I'm going to, I'm going to offer to pray for somebody who's struggling in my life. Yeah, that's difficult. That can be stepping outside of your comfort zone. But when you do, the moment that you say yes to God and you say no to fear and you say no to anxiety, you say no to hesitation, what happens is you become equipped the Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. Radical, world-changing power is resident in everybody. Every heart that surrendered to Jesus is like a powdered keg ready to explode of God's goodness and God's miraculous things even. All we have to do is say yes to relationship with God. The moment that we say yes, then you're on, you're on the train and it's moving. So I really just want to encourage you guys this morning to, when you found the treasure, if you can say in your heart of hearts, man, I have, I've discovered Christ's treasure. I've, I, I know who Jesus is in my life. If you can say that, then you should be going out. Use that treasure. <laughs> You've won the spiritual lottery, church. There's no excuses. Let's go out and let's change our community for the gospel. I love what we're doing here at Market Street Church, that we're going out into the community, that we're doing cookouts. We're trying to get together with other believers trying to do things for our community. We're inviting kids into the church. We're inviting the next generation, and we're declaring the gospel in Walled Lake. That is our goal. We want to tell of the gospel to the ends of the earth. That is our goal. Because we know that when you stumble upon this treasure and you begin to use it, that there's really anything can happen. The possibilities, the floodgates open wide for what our communities could look like. Wouldn't it be something if Walled Lake in like the next 10, 20 years became known as a place for Jesus? Became known as a community that's going after the gospel and is showing love. Boots on the ground. Not just the theological stuff, not just doctrine but showing the love of God through what God's put in us. That is my heart for our community. That's my heart for us, 
that we would apply it and we would use it. So if you could with me, I just want to do a call. Like I said, I don't want to assume that anybody knows, knows everything. So I want to do a call if you've never accepted Jesus into your life. Or maybe you've been on the couch. Maybe you've been on the sidelines. Maybe you want to be activated. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I've gotten a little lukewarm. I've gotten a little in my routine. Then I want to just say a prayer with us all together that we can fully give our lives to Christ, to fully give in and experience the treasure trove that is walking with Jesus because there's nothing like it, nothing like it in the world. So if you could with me, I'm just going to say a prayer all together and just, just come in agreement with me. So Father God, I thank you for your amazing treasure that you have hidden, that you have given for us the treasure of who you are, the treasure of your sacrifice, and that you recognized, however imperfect we are, that we are valuable to you so that you would give your life for us. So I just pray anybody hearing this here in person or on the stream, Lord God, that doesn't know who you are, I pray that they would just say yes and welcome you into their life. We just pray for lives to be touched and healed today. Everybody hearing this, Lord, that you would come into their heart, show them the same power that raised you from the dead. Come into their lives, Lord God. We just pray that our city would be transformed with the gospel. We pray that our community here at Market Street, that we would become a community that's on fire for you, that's hungry, that's determined that's not going to lose this opportunity, God, but that we are going to make the investment in giving everything to you because you are so worth it. You are worth giving up everything for. So, Lord, we thank you. We pray that you would look after us. We just pray for all the families represented here, that you would be with us in the coming weeks. We pray for anybody that's accepted you, God. Send somebody to come alongside them and disciple them. We pray. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you do. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.